I don't know if I'm going to do this next week or not. I'm not I, got, I got a couple things in mind, but um, definitely starting it tonight called Empowered by the Spirit. And I want to talk about <clears throat> our absolute need for the Holy Spirit in our lives and how we need to be living by the Spirit on a day-to-day basis. Um, the truth is we need to be filled with the Spirit. Everybody say filled with the Spirit. Filled with the Spirit in order for us to be empowered to be a witness and then for us to do great exploits for God. Um, empowerment is what I want to talk about uh, and then how we, we enact that power by the Spirit of God. The word power in uh, the New Testament, especially when speaking about the power of the Holy Spirit, is the Greek word dunamis. How many have ever heard that before? Dunamis. Dunamis actually is a Greek word that is where we get the word, our English word dynamite. Dunamis, dynamite. And it carries the same idea that the power of God comes on the scene by the Holy Spirit and it's dynamite. In other words, it's explosive. So you have to handle that, that power and that, that, um, that uh, kind of uh, dynamite, if you will, uh, you have to handle it properly. Can't just put it anywhere. It's got to be in the right place. Well, thank God. I'll get to this in just a moment. But by Jesus, because of His shed blood, He did. We did put the Holy Spirit in the right place. It's called being inside of you and me. We are now the temple of the Holy Ghost. Um, and so uh, we've been praying. We just got through a season of fasting and prayer. Um, Many of us are extending our fast, and we're doing uh, different things. I, I told the Lord I was going to give him 10% of the hours in a week, and the, that would be my fast plus an offering. So it would come down to 24 hours a week that I'd be fasting for him uh, in some way or fashion. And we've extended our prayer time with our elders and pastors. Aren't you glad we got praying elders and pastors? Praise God. And so while we were fasting... We met three times a week, and now we're meeting. We're going to meet once a week now. So on Tuesday nights, we're going to be here, and um, uh, we may extend that to other people as well. Um, but right now, the Lord has us praying, and I got to be honest with you, we're having an incredible time with God. God's speaking to these men; they're getting words of knowledge, um, and uh, we talk about what God's saying at the end. Of, matter of fact, after we get done with our prayer and confession, we talk about what's the Lord saying. Did you get an impression? And the guys begin to speak. Yes, I got this. I got a word from the Lord, and it's like. Like dead on the money confirmation. It's amazing how when you get in unity with the Holy Spirit, it's one God. <laughs> and he speaks one word. And that one word can go different ways, but it's just one thing he's saying. So powerful things that God's saying. Um, and I'm, I'm taking note to those things. And, uh, and I'll be sharing some of those things in, in, the, in the days ahead. Um, and so, um, and by the way, those that think, well, we don't, meet with, we don't believe in women authority, that's absolutely not true. We have, my wife's a pastor in this church. We believe in women authority. I have no issues with that. Um, uh, but there's still a hierarchy with God. There's an expectation of God. It is the law of first things. Man was first, and so God puts a responsibility on men to step up. And so, and so I told the, uh, the ladies, I said, look, for a season, it's going to be the guys. That's what God wants to do. And, of course, the women are also praying as well, and we're going to get together. So it's not maybe what you think it is. It's just a matter of what we're doing because God asks us to do this. And speaking of women, during this prayer and fasting and them also coming in agreement with the confession that we have um, over our church, um, Robin uh, Poskasil sits in the front row of our church here, married to Tom. Um, they are also the, their elders. They're the head of our, our baptism among many other things they do in a church. Um, she gives a small word, but a very powerful word uh, and sent it to all the pastors and, and the leaders and said, we are now, the Spirit of God saying that we are now entering a season of signs, wonders, and miracles. Somebody say amen. Now you can say, well, 
that can happen anytime, right? You're absolutely right. But when God says it's a season, that means look out, here it comes. We got to be prepared for it. So that means that we have to be led by the Spirit of God. Got to be led by His Spirit, okay? And the supernatural is what we're after signs, wonders, and miracles. And the supernatural surrounds the moving of the Holy Spirit. Um, if we want God to move in our children, we want God to move. Can I just teach for a little bit? And I'll maybe get some preaching in just a moment. But let me just, let me just share some things. We, we want God to move in our lives, okay, our marriages. We want him to move in our children, on the job, with our whatever, our, you know, our family members, especially in our church. We must begin to pray. We must, men always to pray and not cease, the Bible says. We're always supposed to be in continual attitude of prayer um, because we recognize that, first of all, that we recognize that we can't do this without God, so we're going to need his favor to get it done. I got Vision Sunday coming up. We'll be telling you all about that soon. And everything we're going to, we have a list of things to do. We're gonna, it's going to take God's favor and us stepping out in faith toward that to get it done. So anyways, my point to you is this, is that the Holy Spirit will move. He will move. But the, the thing is, what we need to do is let the Holy Spirit have access into our lives. We give him permission by us beginning to pray. When we pray, we're saying, Lord, we can't do it. We need you to do it through us. And then he begins to work through you or work on assignment that will blow your mind. I, um, I was raised in the church. Many of you know my testimony. I won't bore you with all the details. But I will tell you, I was raised in church. We, my, my family was split up at the time. My mother and father were in divorce court, and my dad was uh, living off of the property, and he was somewhere else, and so they were splitting up. And it was 1974-75. And, um, and so I was seven years old, and so I remember a lot of it. I do. I remember a lot. Of, I remember way back. I'm that kind of person. I just remember, remember, way back. My, my mom to this day will call me and say, Jeff, well, you know, at that house, what did we have? And I'll tell her exactly what we had. She goes, how do you do that? I don't know. I just can do it. I'm like the rain man. Praise God. I just can do it. So if I can give me numbers, I can figure it out. I can just do it. I don't know how it works. But that's what my wife, my wife called me, the rain man. So my point to you is that um, there was nothing but devastation in our family, right? My mother gets saved. She then invites my dad to uh, a church service. Or no, my dad then invites my mom to a church service because he, he knew that she got saved. And he had been invited, been invited over and over and over. And finally, he said yes. We end up going to a church called South Main, uh, South Main Baptist Church in Rockford, Illinois. It's now called Pelly Road Church Baptist Church, and the pastor is still there to this day. Pastor Jerry Hall is still there to this day, and um, and so we went. My dad answered the altar call and uh, got gloriously born again. He was an alcoholic. I mean, just dumped out all the alcohol. And so I saw God do a miracle in about a week's time. Everything in our lives tra completely transformed. My dad moved back in. We were a family again, and now we were committed to go to church. The next week, of that, that next week, I gave my life to Jesus. I'll never forget it. I gave my life. I raised my hand, seven-year-old kid, kid, because I knew how real he was. I was watching him work in my mom and my dad. And so I gave my life to the Lord in that little Baptist church. Church, and then my dad and I both got baptized that night, so February 1975. And so I served the Lord. I loved God with all my heart. I loved the Lord. And then when I got close to my teenage years, as sometimes this happens, I, I walked away from God. And so I was completely away from God, backslidden. Always, always wanted to honor God, but I, I could never be the hypocrite. To me, I was either all in or all out. So to me, to fake it when I still wanted to be in the world would be dishonoring to God. 
But, buddy, if you would have said something dishonoring about God, I'd punch you straight in your mouth. Praise God. I mean, that's how I felt about it. Don't talk nothing about Jesus because I know him, and he's powerful, right? So it wasn't that I denied him that way. It was that I just was selfish, and I wanted to live my life, and I did no longer. I denied that right of him to come in my life. I wanted to do what I wanted to do, walked away. My wife and I, in the meantime, we got, she got gloriously saved, and we were just married. She got saved, and now she wants to go to church, and I don't want to have nothing to do with any of that stuff. I don't want to serve God. I don't want to owe God. I want to live my life, and so, and I wanted my wife, you know, and so long story short is that her and my mother decided that they were going to become prayer partners, and that their subject matter was going to be, oh, Jeffrey, come on, somebody. And that they were going to get together and they were going to pray an assignment about me. I don't know how often you guys got together. I don't remember if it was on the phone once or twice a week, whatever it was. But they made a decision that they were going to pray over me. I will tell you this. Because at the time I could tell nobody. I didn't tell her what I was going through. But I was absolutely going through something spiritually. I knew it was spiritual. I didn't want to tell anybody. Didn't want to. Sh- I, I, I mean, my mind was reeling. I could tell you stories of how uh, of how um, I'd have people come up to me. This was while they were praying and tell me their testimony and ask me if I want to say the sinner's prayer out of nowhere. This had happened once. This happened over and over and over again. Or people would come up to me and they think I had an answer for them. And they started talking about God, and they wanted me to talk to them. Like, I didn't even know who they were. Didn't know these people from Adam. And yet, and yet the word of God would start coming up out of me. And I started talking about the things of God. And they would be totally set free. God would use me. And I hated that. Because now I owe God. I don't want to owe God anything, right? So I, I, uh, it was a very, very tough thing. And so bottom line is that I, I, my, my wife continued to pray for me, and my, my mother continued, and my world got turned upside down. It got a whole lot worse before it got better. But about a year of doing that, I completely, 100% gave my life to you. Let me just tell you something. The Lord did not come to me in a church service. I wasn't going to church. He came to me while I was at work. And I heard the audible voice of God, the one and only time I've ever heard God this way. He spoke in my left ear. Now, when you hear God, let me just tell you what happens. You will tremble. You will shake. Power of God came on me. I know I am convinced that I could never have heard God's voice that way. I would have never given my life to Jesus that day had my mother and my wife decided to team up and pray for my life. When you pray, the Holy Ghost begins to move. Let's say it together. When you pray, the Holy Ghost begins to move. So likewise, if you don't pray, what happens? He's not going to move, right? He needs a word to be able to have a directive to move. So the very first thing you need to understand is that the Holy Spirit is not an it. He is a person. He is the third person of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Okay, He is a person. He is, in fact, God. Acts chapter 19, 1 says, and it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus and finding some disciples, he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. Okay, Let me, let me give you some background of Acts chapter 19 here. So this was about 50 years after Jesus ascended, and there is a massive effort at the time to plant 
local churches all over that entire region. So Paul is addressing these small startup churches, okay, all over the region. And he says those words, while Apollos was at Corinth, uh, uh, he said, uh, the Bible says that while they were there, in other words, this, he was actually addressing one of the church plants. Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them the question that I need to ask tonight, and we should be asking every service. Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? It's more than just having a one-time experience of salvation, which we'll talk about in a moment. There's something, if, if that was all, then why didn't he just rapture us away and take us to heaven in that moment? But he empowers us to live this life, and he does it by way of his spirit, the Holy Spirit. So they answered, and they said to him, no, we haven't heard that there was even such a thing called the Holy Spirit, let alone the baptism of the Holy Ghost. So now in the scripture, the word baptism or baptismo is implied three different ways. So God has a plan for immersion because baptism, baptizo means to be immersed. It means to go under completely, okay, under completely. We know that, 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 that baptism, we, we know to be water, to be under the water. But actually, there's three different styles of baptismo. And this is the immersion into the experiences that God wants you to have. There are three different experiences. Uh, there are, uh, number one, the first baptism is this. It is called salvation. Most of the people in this room today are saved. In other words, they've been born again. You surrendered your life to Jesus. You believe that he's the son of God. You believe that he died for your sin. And there's no other way to heaven but by him and that he was raised from the dead. You can be saved, right? I now trust in him. I have salvation. Now, salvation is to be baptized into the body of Christ. It's a baptismo, an immersion into his body on earth. It is to be born again, which means to be completely changed. You're not the old person you used to be. You've been ratified by the blood of Jesus Christ. And 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 13, it says, For we, we were all baptized by one spirit into what? One body. Do you guys have it up there? Uh, is it all up there? There we go. Okay. So you see, okay. So we're not talking about water baptism. We're talking about baptism into the body of Christ. In other words, to be born again. You're, you were of a family before, and you still are. But it's bigger than that now. You're of another family. You've been grafted into the family of God or the body of Christ. So when you got saved, and by the way, when we pray for our lost loved ones this year, when they're going to come to our, you know, they're going to come to I Am Jesus this year, or they're going to come to one of our productions or a special service or whatever, what we pray is we pray, Holy Spirit, now we release you to minister to so-and-so that they may know who Jesus is because no one can know Jesus unless the Holy Spirit introduces them to Jesus. The reason why you're saved is because the Holy Spirit came to you, convinced you, that, that's called conviction, convicted you that Jesus is who he says he is and that you're in need of a Savior because you can't save yourself. And you surrendered to the leading of the Holy Spirit. So the first contact you had to God was by way of the Holy Spirit. So we pray for our lost loved ones that the Holy Spirit would give them dreams. That the Holy Spirit would cause people to cross their path that know him. Come on, somebody. That can testify of him. Oh, that God would shake up their, the Holy Ghost would shake up their world. 
the Holy Spirit will do those things, right? And so he will introduce them to Jesus. He convinces them of who Jesus really is. Galatians 3.26 says this, you are all sons of God through faith. How? Through in Christ Jesus, for all of you were baptized, baptismal, into Christ, there it is again, having clothed yourselves with Christ. So you put on salvation, right? The Holy Spirit introduces you to Jesus. He baptizes you. He immerses you in Christ. So you come out. Not, not, this is the first introduction, right? The first experience you have of baptism. Now let me just set this up for you. I want to show you first... Um, the people that first experienced this, okay, that had this first-time experience. And remember at the time in the book of Acts, Jesus had just died, had, had not been that long. He had died. He was buried. He was raised up from the dead. And then he walked amongst his disciples and others. People saw him for 40 days. Matter of fact, it was a, think about it, it was a radical time because Jesus was making appearances uh, after he had died, and then though the patriarchs that had died before him all came up out of the graves, and they're walking around Jerusalem. Can you imagine bumping into Abraham or David? This happened. It's not talked about a lot, because I don't think God wants to speculate too much about it. The focus is about Jesus, but the truth is, when Jesus came up from the grave, come on, all his people came up from the grave. That's the power of Jesus, is resurrection power, right? Now look what it says in John chapter 20, verse 19. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for the fear of the Jews, they were afraid. Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, peace be with you. Why did he say peace be with you? Because they were freaking out. They were run. Jesus just appeared before them, right? And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, peace to you. Okay, shalom, peace. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, the word breathe here in Acts is, or John, is this. It's the Greek word pneuma. And pneuma means two things. It means spirit and it means power. You could put it together, conflate the two words. It could mean the power of the Holy Spirit. So when he breathed on them, he breathed on the, the, them the spirit of God, for they received the Holy Spirit, therefore they received his power. That was the first step. So that, by the way, by the way, the disciples were the first born again people after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He appeared to them, shows himself to them. They're like, show the whole world. And he's like, watch this now. He's like, it's better to believe. Come on, somebody. See, the truth is a matter. You can handle me now. He said, but there's going to be a generation, they won't see me. They're going to have to believe. So I'm going to breathe on you. You take this gospel to everybody else. And everybody else you touch, through the power of my spirit, the spirit of God will convince them that I am who I am. Okay? That's a powerful thing. All right? So that was their salvation immersion. Or their salvation baptismo, where we get the word baptism. So we get the Holy Spirit right at the moment we got saved, we get the Holy Ghost. Now, look at Luke chapter 24, verse 49. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. Okay? 
And then he says, but tarry, Jesus said, tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued. That word endued in the Greek means clothed and baptized. Both things. Clothed and baptized. To be immersed, to put on. Okay? To be immersed with something. With power from on high. So there seems to be a second Holy Spirit experience. The first one was he breathed upon them, and they received the Holy Spirit, and they were saved. The second one was an endowment of power, an endowment of power from on high. It was something that they were going to not only have in them, but would be on them. Okay, Luke is the writer of the book of Acts and says in Acts chapter 1, verse 4 and 5, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me, for John truly baptized with, with water, but, but you shall, shall be baptized. In other words, John baptized water, but something else. You shall be baptized. It hasn't happened yet. There's another experience to come with the Holy Spirit. Not with water, but the Holy Spirit. Not many days from now. This was a second baptism uh, that Jesus was expressing to them that now Jesus wants to introduce them to the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit introduces Jesus. Jesus walks into their world. Now Jesus becomes Lord of their life. And Jesus now is introducing them, his disciples, his people, to the likes of the Holy Spirit and what he's capable of doing in and through their life. I can explain it this way. Being filled with the Spirit is like putting water, um, I, I got a cup here, filling this thing up with water, okay? And now this thing's filled to the top. It's been filled with water. So being filled with the Spirit is like filling that, that cup up with water. But now being baptized in the Holy Ghost or baptized in the Holy Spirit is like taking the cup of water that's been filled and throwing it into a swimming pool. It's a whole nother level. Someone say Amen. Right? So that's what he's trying to say. There's something else, an endowment of power that you're going to need. Not for salvation, because you've already been saved. So don't think that people got to speak in tongues and, and, and prophesy and, 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 and all that stuff and have the manifestation of the gifts in order for them to be saved. That is not true. But they're certainly missing out with a power that I believe they need in this life. Okay? The second uh, baptism we see here is water baptism. First salvation, then water baptism. This is a separate experience. Water baptism is not necessary for salvation as well as the gift of the Holy Spirit is not necessary for salvation. Although, let me just say this. It was the entry level in the New Testament church in order for you to join the body of Christ. Because everywhere they went, they preached repentance for salvation. They preached water baptism, for the, for, for not for mission of sin anymore, but for the, the letting go of the old and the coming into the new. And th that was a public, a public thing they did. It was a manifestation of the public. And then thirdly, they introduced the power of the Holy Spirit by being filled with the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. But that was the entry level now. But that does not mean they weren't born again if they were not baptized in the Holy Spirit. If they were not water baptized, where do you get that from? Jesus on the cross and two thieves beside him. One thief mocked him. The other thief said, remember me in paradise. And he said, remember when you go to your kingdom. And Jesus said, this day you'll be with me in paradise. Now, he had to come up out of that grave and receive Christ. My point to you is this. He didn't have need of water baptism because salvation is strictly and only by faith. Believe with your heart of righteousness. With the mouth of confession is made unto salvation. 
That's what salvation is. The rest of it is a part of your obedience in this life. Okay? So water baptism is not necessary for salvation. Why? Because salvation is a free gift from God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Some say if you don't do water baptism just the right way, you'll end up in hell. How many of you ever heard that kind of teaching before in your life? Okay? That's, not, that's a doctrine of devils. That's just not simply the truth. Right? So we baptize in the name of Jesus, but truthfully, uh, I'm, I'm sure sometimes it goes Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. My point to you is this. As long as they're baptized knowing who Jesus is, it doesn't matter the perfect words we speak over them. I'm sure we're going to get that wrong. So some teach that, you know, if you're not baptized strictly in the name of Jesus, you're going to go to hell. I'm not saying all the Jesus-only people think that way, but I've met up, most of them do, and that's just incorrect. All we do, we do in the name of Jesus. Anyway, so I say amen. I think sometimes we get, we get married to rituals, and we think that's the way it is, but that's certainly not what the Bible says. Uh, May 28th, verse uh, May. May. <laughs> you know, when I start running out of time, I go real fast and start making big mistakes. Sorry. Matthew 28, 19. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Okay? That's what Jesus said. So that's the first baptism. Going out, teaching who Christ is. Holy Spirit comes and convinces them, introduces them to Jesus. Then he says, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's the second baptism. That's water baptism. But then there's a third baptism, and that's the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Now, it could get confusing if you don't understand, but let me give me five minutes. Acts chapter 8 says this. It says, Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them, and the multitudes with one accord heeded the things that spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles that he did. For unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out of many who were possessed and many who were paralyzed and lame and were healed. Um, but when they believed, that's the first baptism, they, when they believed Philip as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. That's the second baptism. They believed, first baptism, then they were water baptized, the second baptism. Acts chapter 8, verse 14, same story. Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who when they had come down, prayed for them that they might what? Receive the Holy Spirit. That's the third baptism. You see them right there succinctly, right, in a row, right? So you can see that this is a progression. It's a journey. Look what it says in 1 John 5, verse 7. For there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. And there are three that bear witness of, on earth, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. That's the three baptisms. These, are, these three agree as one. In the Old Testament, you had it laid out. Right? The tabernacle. So the tabernacle you had you had on the outside, you had the altar. That's where the blood was. Then you had close to the inside was the laver. The priest had to wash his hands before he went into the tabernacle. That's the water, the blood, the water. Then the candlestick would be the next thing you saw because there had to be light inside there. And that's where the oil was in the lanterns, the candlesticks, and it was burned before God with the fire of God. That is representation of the Holy Spirit. So you see the blood, the water, and the Spirit all agree. So why do you need this? Because God designed you to live a Spirit-empowered life, a dunamis power life. In other words, His ability on your uh, life, not your own ability alone. Because in our ability, we are limited. With God's ability, we can see signs, wonders, miracles, the gifts of the Spirit in operation. We can see the prophetic begin to operate in our lives. I'm believing God for everybody to be able to flow in the prophetic in some capacity. Everybody has a different flow. 
and, and I've seen this happen with different people. The prophetic isn't just somebody going to somebody, thus says the Lord. Many times it's in their prayer time, and they get impressions about people, and people maybe never even know it, and they start speaking those impressions about those people. A lot of times people will write things down. Some people write music, and they write songs, and their songs are prophetic. They write poems, and their poems are prophetic. They write rap music, and the rap, God uses all kinds of different means to prophesy, but we want to be prophetic. That means it's a now word. Amen. So God's got greater things for you, greater than you can ever imagine, but the way you get it is by trusting the Holy Spirit. Lastly, I'm going to go very quick. There are four ways to receive the Holy Spirit. Number one, you've got to remove all the barriers in your life. Get rid of the things that distract you. And maybe it's sin. Maybe it's sinful things. Maybe it's unforgiveness. I don't know what it is, but you've got to remove the barrier. You can find that in Acts chapter 2. And then uh, the, uh, I'm going to move right along. The second thing is that you have to request the gift of the Holy Spirit. You have to request it. Um, ask for it. God will give it to you. Uh, Luke eleven thirteen. if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give, give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So if you ask of him in his spirit, he will give it to you. The third way is that we receive him by faith. What does that mean? Everything that is God has, uh, has everything that God wants you to have will require you to take an action step or a risk. Some point you're going to step out and say, I'm going to trust God with this. In Ezekiel 47, every time they walked out into the river, remember that? The priest would go first, and they got to the ankle, then they went to the thigh, and then they went to the waist, and then all of a sudden, it was a river that overtook them. The more steps you take into the river, come on, the deeper it gets. The more steps you take in the Holy Spirit, the deeper your walk with God gets. The more you understand him, the more you receive of him. It's all about you losing control and receiving his confidence. How would you like to walk that way every single day of your life? Going, I, I, I know what I, my flesh wants, but I also know what God wants. And I've learned to just shut off the flesh and do what God wants. And then the power of God begins to flow in my life. Hebrews eleven six, and without faith it's impossible to please him. But he who comes to God must believe that he is that he is a reward of those who diligently seek him. So you've got to learn to step out of faith and just take the risk. And lastly, number four, make sure that you have a relationship with him daily. Spend time with the Almighty every single day. I know life gets busy sometimes, but still don't negate it. Find some time that day to spend time with God. doesn't take long, but just, it, takes, it takes some time, though. And when you do it, he comes on the scene. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14. I don't know if you guys had time to put up the message, did you? This is the message translation. The amazing grace of the master, Jesus Christ, the extravagant love of God, the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with all of you. We can have an intimate relationship with the Holy Ghost every single day of our life. Somebody say amen. Did you all enjoy the word tonight?